1: Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Oh, Allison, what to make of this This. Club. I still think they're playing pretty good, Monday notwithstanding. But we have a lot to talk about, and we're gonna we're gonna start um, with an interesting story from the National Hockey League last night. I want to get your thoughts on it. Tim Peel, NHL referee, former NHL referee, uh, says into a live mic, essentially, I wanted to give. I'm taking the expletives out. I wanted mm-hmm. to give Nashville a penalty here in the period. Early Mm -hmm. in the period. Mm -hmm. My God, if you're an NHL referee, there are only few things you could say worse than that into a hot mic. And he done said it. Um, What are your thoughts on it? I've got some, I have, I think they're interesting thoughts. I'm not sure. Maybe they're not. (laughs) I'll let people decide. But where are you at with this? The league has since basically terminated Tim Peel. Uh, They worded it strangely, which makes me think that he's, Still going to be taken care of in his final days. He was retiring after the year, the season anyways. But he's not going to do any more games. Your thoughts, Allison, Tim Peel?
2: Well, that, that was going to be the first point I made, which is that the, the announcement is worded in such a way that I don't know that we're 100% sure that he's terminated. Um, you know, he says, what exactly is it? They said he would not be working any more games. Yeah. So I would, in, 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 listen... I mean, I, I, he's yeah. done. He's done. Well, he's done working games, but we don't yeah. know if he's no longer employed. That was not said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is a guy who's going to be retiring at the end of the year anyway. Um That's right. But here's the thing. Like what he did no one loves. It's also like the biggest unspoken rule in hockey. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, this is like this is like you know, the one who speaks up gets busted, kind of thing. I mean, if you listen, did you hear the Matt Duchesne interview no. on this? So no. Matt Duchesne went on a Nashville radio station, because obviously this happened in Nashville, and Matt Duchesne clarifies who Tim Peel was talking to, and it was Philip Forsberg. He told the Nashville bench that. Wow. So, like, this isn't some like big unspoken thing. This is just no. how it goes. Um, no. in And and I wish that what would have been a stronger statement, I I don't like it. I like that they took action. What I think the league should have said and should be doing is saying we will renew or reinitiate our efforts to properly call all games in all circumstances with all on-ice officials. And that that was not said. And so the problem remains, in my opinion.
1: Now, it's interesting to me because I – I don't want to – If Matt, Matt Duchesne was obviously a hell of a lot closer than just about anybody to this situation. <laughs> it's strange to me that 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 if he's talking to him in that way, he would say, Nashville, not you guys.
2: Have you heard also all some of these guys talk? It's bizarre. Sometimes.
1: I Well, it is bizarre. And and we all know that they even things up. I mean – Yes. That, that's the way it is. Now, usually – honestly, I think usually games – Tend to even themselves up, but there are times where officials, you know, if one team's had four power plays through two periods, you know the other team's going to get a chance early in the third. At least that's what the sort of cynical fan and everyone says. Uh, it's pretty rare when a team when when to see power plays that unbalanced over a game. Mm-hmm. But I think it's different. I think it's different to say what Tim Peel said that he was basically. Going that he was basically looking for a, to give Nashville a, per, a penalty early, not the benefit of the doubts gone here, but I'm looking for one. I want to give you one early. That just to me is that that to me, and I think anybody who's watched the game a long time, yeah, we all know that they even things out. We all know there's an unwritten rule book that these guys follow almost as strongly as the actual rule book. That's just such a blatant comment that I am going to affect this game that I, it's really unsavory for me and the fact that he articulated it he basically told the people in Nashville this is what I'm doing I mean that is an outsized influence on the game even by an NHL referee I
2: I I think he just is the one that got caught I don't think that for those who are at that level of the game I mean physically at that level of the game I don't and if you and for those who haven't heard it, it's all over Twitter. The Matt Duchesne, like Matt Duchesne is frustrated, but he's not shocked.
1: Yeah. And these guys have conversations with the officials that fans would sometimes have a hard time believing. Right.
2: And, and I don't even yeah. mean in terms of the word choices. I mean, I think that oh, right. this, this kind of shit happens a lot. And as I said, there was nothing in this statement that talked about cleaning up, officiating, making sure this isn't happening. This was all about an action against Tim Peel and right. I know a ton of people. He's this is a hot button official anyway for a lot of people, but um, I I believe that while this may remove Tim Peel from the ice, that this in no way is a step towards fixing what I believe is a, an existing prevalent problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I, uh, I, <laughs> I just I, I am I struggle with so I I, I want it to be fit. I don't want the problem just to be that it was articulated because that's not right right either. In other words. If this is truly how he felt, him articulating it really is only a very small aspect of the problem. Its existence is the problem. Correct, right? Um, I can't believe. I won't believe that that every. I'll say it. I think Tim Pale's Tim Peel might be a nice person. I don't know him well. I. I feel like most of the games, I'm not a big referee guy. I'm not a big blame on the referee guy because I think they try to stay out of the way most nights. But over the history of this franchise, when this team has played a game in either direction that I have felt was horribly officiated or made some just truly stupid or indefensible calls, a lot of those games have included Tim Peel. Yes. Which which makes me wonder. And I wonder I wonder about the, the ramifications of this beyond. Like, and this is the problem with this, and this is why I think the league had to a- act so quickly. When you have an official saying, oh, no, I was looking for a penalty to call on that team. I was going to give them a penalty, and I wanted to do it early. I know what he meant. He thinks he effed something up early in the game, and he owes the other team a power play, and he wanted to do it early because he didn't want to have that as big an impression on the game as if he did it late. Mm-hmm. I think that's the continuation of that se- of that sentence, if we could hear it all the way through. But to, to articulate that to people is just brutal. And it gets to the integrity of the game, which is why the league had to do something. There's no way this guy can call a game. He's never going to hear the end of it. The league has to blow back in a way that's almost... I I think he deserved it, so I'm not sure this is a disproportionate response. It's probably a fair response. But their response had to leave no doubt as to what what they felt about this because if you're not sitting in those seats thinking that the guys in Stripes are calling this game fairly, then you lose a ton of respect for the league. It becomes the the WWF. It becomes a, a production rather than a competition.
2: Yeah, I stand by my opinion. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think we disagree necessarily. I just, I Tim Peel deserves the consequences. Oh, 100%. Because 100%. he freaking articulated it. And I'm, okay, I'm but not, I,
2: I don't think he's, the, he, it's because he articulated it. It's because yes. he got caught on the mic. I bet there are a lot of people articulating it a lot of the time,
1: honestly. Well, I think it's the bar rail conversation between officials. God, I blew that one in the first period. I had to get one back in the second. Uh, that kind of stuff. When you start telling fans that. Uh, again, the problem is the existence of it, not the articulation of it. And I, but man, when you have someone, t- <laughs> you have someone talking about it, the right there live for and on 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 uh, for everyone. Ow, big yeah. big ow. Yes. And so the league responded quickly, and I think back to the incident in, in Columbus with Dvorsky where on a night you know, and it's ah, God, Columbus used to get totally screwed. And you could see it, and they—they they didn't say it, but they might as well have. When the Detroit Red Wings, Red Wings came here, there's no way Columbus is getting a ton of calls against them in the early years of the franchise. Come on, the Bruins are in town. You think they're gonna—they're gonna tag something on the Bruins instead of the, the Blue Jackets? Come on. I mean, it—it it felt that way a lot of nights, which seemed really unfair for a team that needed every break it could possibly get. Uh, But Dvorsky one night, the the Wild have seven power plays. The Blue Jackets have none. Now, maybe the Blue Jackets just committed seven penalties, and maybe the Wild just played a perfect game to that point. It's a touch hard to believe. But they missed a high stick on Rick Nash, and the crowd went crazy. And during the TV timeout, Dvorsky comes over to... One end of the rink, and the fans are giving it to him, and he puts both finger, both both uh, hands up in his eyes and rubs his eyes and acts like he's crying, like cry some more Blue Jackets fans. Now, how unprofessional is that?
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: when they crank it up even more, uh, Dvorsky extends a middle finger to the people and puts it up to his face and scratches his chin, like, oh, I just have an itch here. Uh, you know that was handled internally. I'd love to know how internally that was handled. Um, But you just can't have that stuff. Those guys have to be seen as independent arbiters of the rule book. And and any incident where that comes into question, they've got to drop the hammer on them. So good on the league.
3: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
0: Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Allison, Blue Jackets news today. Elvis Merzlikens to the COVID list, but not COVID. Uh, Correct. Which is what a world we live in. What that means is he's on the COVID protocol list. He's in some way being uh, kept away from the rest of the team, and yet it suggests that he has not tested positive uh, for the uh, virus and told just a little bit ago that, Mer- that Merzlikens is in the same situation with Texier that there are no minimum games that he must miss. So maybe he takes a test tomorrow and tests negative and he's right back in action again. Uh, we'll see, but no word yet on uh, how long Merzlikens might be out. Um, but maybe it's Corpus Allo's game Thursday against the the uh, Hurricanes. Um, Allison, thought I have kicked around here a little bit lately. When we sat down with this Blue Jackets team, we may have even talked about this, which rookie player? Mm-hmm. Which young player? Because I'm not sure some of these guys technically qualify as rookies anymore. But when you look at Liam Foodie, Emile Bemstrom, Emile um, Alexander Texier, we would discuss preseason. Which of these three players do you think are going to have the biggest impact on this team? And as we sit here uh, with less than, eh, what they got, 22 games to go, something like that? Something like that. The Liam Foodie is in Cleveland. Emile Bemstrom is injured but has spent considerable time lately on the taxi squad. And Alexander Texier is on. The taxi squad. He is out of the lineup while the Blue Jackets are dressing. Stefan Matteau, Ryan McGinnis on on the fourth line. How troubling is this, and where do you where do you place the blame for these players not really having much of an impact on the whole this season, but having zero impact at present?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a great question, and I think. The, the 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 real answer to questions like these are are that the, the the fault if you will lies in multiple places right it's not just one um going player by player i i was always on the record that i was kind of shocked that foudy if foudy my goodness foudy was um going to be on this nhl roster i yep. i had no issue with that player starting and playing a first season in the a So that one doesn't bother me. Um, You know, unfortunately, more and more, Emil Bemstrom is is starting to look like a player who maybe doesn't have the ability to translate his game, which is very effective in Europe, um, to North America. So part of that is on the player, of course, and part of that is on the organization thinking he is that player um, for bringing him over and, and such and so forth. And then Texier is an interesting one for me because, you know, he was injured last year. In hindsight, I I believe that affected how he played some last year. And, you know, I think we're going to get into this too. Right now, Texier is in an unenviable position of maybe not being asked to play the way that he should positionally, um, if not also total overall game style because of, of what this roster has turned into this season. I mean, this is not the roster that that people envisioned this team playing with this year. And so I think that when you have someone like Texier, who's essentially was going to play his first full season, um, now being moved around the lineup, perhaps more than originally expected, um, playing with in a different role and playing sometimes center, sometimes not. Now we're not sure what the kids are going to be on any given day. Um, I think that has some impact too.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's not a good look, and I. I think it takes a smarter. Uh, it takes a hockey person, a smart, smarter person than I, certainly, to look at this situation and say, "Is it the players? Is it the fault of the the players? It's hard to believe it's the fault of all three players that that it is what it is right now." Is it the the GM that has either overvalued them or rushed them to the NHL. To your point, shouldn't Foodie prove himself in the AHL first? Shouldn't Texier, that used to be the mantra here, Mm -hmm. shouldn't he go to the AHL and, and be a productive player for 25, 30, 40 games at least before he's up here and granted such a lofty spot in the lineup? Uh, Bemstrom was a little bit different because he was an older player and his contract stipulated that he would be in the NHL or he could go back to Sweden. Um, but is, is this, has Jarmo Kekalainen overvalued these guys or is it the coach where this just isn't a fostering situation or this system that they play, that demands on these players is too much for these guys to be productive in or they're they're overly stressed on this aspect of the game and and their confidence is shot look the veteran players on this team have struggled with confidence this season right I guess it's to be expected that the younger guys would struggle with it too right
2: yeah I mean and and you know again that's why I say I think that the answer is yes everyone <laughs> if you say who's who's to yeah. blame um you know I don't so much hang it on the system per se and that you have to be careful how you explain this but because this is in many ways exactly how they were supposed to play last season. And that was fine. Uh, Again, I think it's when you're asked, there's, there's the center position. We've talked about the center position. We don't need to keep talking about the center position, but you don't have someone in that position. That's doing what comes natural to them with NHL experience. That's going to ripple through the entire team. So I, I think it's, it's, what this roster is right now more so than the system itself. That's that's my two cents.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I mean if these guys aren't uh, these guys, Allison, have to push. These guys have to be at least two of these guys, I would think, have to be bona fide, difference making NHL players right or we're looking because if you're looking at their farm system most people do and they go yeah I don't see a lot there right and the defense has been well that's because they're here already right well if these guys aren't impact players that's not good for the next few years here is it
2: it's not but you know again I mean Columbus was was the classic case of of improper development in in many moons past. I mean, look, remember the case of Derek Broussard, Derek Broussard gets rushed up to this roster is called soft by his coach at the time is traded away as part of a package deal. It doesn't, isn't even perceived to be a big loss and goes on to have quite a, a significant set of years in both New York and then in Ottawa. So, you know, You don't want this to be another Derek Broussard situation. Again, as much as we're we're critiquing these players, they're still the best of the best. There's a reason they're even sniffing the NHL versus not at all. So yes, players can always be better. Yes, they can always improve their game. Yes, these players are young relatively and and have room to grow. But that's why, again, I look at the environment around them, both – Literally, what's happening around them roster wise, system wise, but also you know what what tools are they being given? And, and I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here. I just think that the answer is multifaceted, and you, you don't want to be the guy that that loses Alexander Texier to, and I'm making this up, but to Seattle, and then he goes on to be their number one center for the next ten years. So yeah. um, th- th- it's something that I think, as you say, smarter minds than me need to dig into and find answers for.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know who to throw under the bus, but I. I feel like, I feel like it's a fair. <laughs> it's yeah, fair. To, it's fair to point the bus in that direction because, I mean, it's easy to say, um, yeah, trade trade Nick Filano. he's a UFA. Uh, get rid of Riley Nash. Yeah, he's a UFA, right? Well, you know who's going to play, right? Like, and it, it needs to. These guys can't just be hangers on. I mean, they can't be. Like, like tech, they have to get – what they're dying for, craving for, are players and game changers and impact players. And there's not a hint of that with, with these guys right now. And I'm a little more – you know, foodies still, this is sort of first-year full pro. Like right. He's right. where he should be. He's where he should be. But the point is the team has defended their farm system because of these great prospects that are already here, and look, Texier is here, and at Bemstrom. I mean, I, you think of how Bemstrom was discussed at the at the end of the season a couple of years ago,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like, well, where is it? Because yeah. that impact just has not been been felt, and and that's someone's that's someone's responsibility. Because if, like I said, if it if none of it comes to pass, that's a huge. Backstep for this organization. And it, it brings me to a point that you and I I don't know how long <laughs> were how long were we on the phone with this um a, a couple days a while. ago. But I Oh while it's a great I think it's a really interesting conversation because there's really three there are three situations the blue jackets could find themselves in between now and April twelfth, the NHL trade deadline. And one of them I think is out the window now. Like it's not gonna happen. And that that is clearly in with a chance to do some stuff in the playoffs, right? That I mean, I think I think the most optimistic person would say it's going to be a goddamn dogfight to get in, mm-hmm. and that's not just with Chicago right ahead of you. That's Dallas and still Nashville right behind you. Like if they get in, it's going to be a dogfight. It's not going to be a clear cut. April 12th, you can say this is absolutely a playoff team with a bullet. I don't think that's going to be the case. Right. So take that one off the board. The other one's easy, too, if it goes this way. not it's painful, but it's easy to decide what to do if it goes this way. And that's, you're just, you're Detroit. You're a mile out of this thing. Right. You got no hope of making the playoffs. And now you're moving your UFAs and you're looking forward to next year. Yep. The hardest one, and it's where they're at and probably where they're going to be, is what the hell do you do if you are say where they are right now a two points out or where they were 3 days ago tied but in what do you do with this roster if you're yarmokekelin and and you're you're frustratingly um torturously right there on the line um playing With a month to go basically before the season's over at the deadline. So, and I'm sure I'm going to
2: win friends and influence people with this one, but I listen to trade offers and if I get a legitimately strong trade proposition for any of my UFAs, I make the trade and I end this season at the conclusion of the regular season, unless something crazy happens with the roster that remains.
1: It's what I do. Okay. So let's put a name on these things. Cause that's, okay. I, I'm uh, um that might, I don't want to say you took the easy way out here, but I think it gets harder if you put names on it.
2: Oh, Nick Foligno, David Savard, you mean like those kind of names?
1: That's what I mean. Yeah. Some, same, some team comes to you and says, we'll give you a second round pick for David Savard.
2: I mean, I, I think you, you listen to that because here's the thing. Here's the deal. Everyone has appreciated and valued. We've talked about this, David Savard. But David, yes. the contract that David Savard is going to want next and probably should get from some team is not one that should come from the Columbus Blue Jackets in terms Agreed. of, in terms of what that contract is going to look like. So David Savard is gone. So you either lose David Savard for nothing at the end of this season, or if you get something of quality value for David Savard, you make the trade. And I would also say the same thing for Nick Felino.
1: Second round pick for David Savard, you do that.
2: I mean, I, I, this is where I'm, I'm super bad at, at the actual value, but I, I consider that. Because here's the thing. This is – you have to look at, too, at not just the currency in and of itself, but can the currency be bundled to do other things, right? So sure. it, it, there's, there is value in amassing picks, not sure. just – the position. Position matters, of course. I'm not saying it doesn't, but there is value in getting more picks. And a second round pick isn't awful. Um, you're certainly not going to get a first round pick, but a second pick, yeah. a second round pick isn't awful.
1: So here's where I come in on this, and and part of this, I guess, is I I don't think we should be so cool in Columbus that we take the possibility of a playoff berth for granted. Okay and i don't I can't imagine and and I don't mean this just from being i don't mean this um I don't mean this in respect to being a chicken shit to say this to the players, but I can't imagine what it would be like to go into that room on April twelfth and tell them that we took that the front office being we took the captain and and the The maybe the well, the longest tenured, the most one of the most respected guys on the team, Savard. We took him out of the lineup for something that can't help you right now, today. In other words, we're waving the white flag. Sorry, boys. I can't imagine being a GM that does that. Is it would that be? I think I think you bring up a really good point that. In a tangible sense, the value you get back from those players absolutely benefits the organization in the next year. I don't know what waving a white flag to some of those guys in the room, I don't know what that does for the organization in terms of what those players now think of you and think of the organization because they're going they're going to want to be in the playoffs no matter what. I, th- I don't. Know, I can't imagine taking that away from them.
2: Okay, but see now again back to this situation. First of all, we're saying that they're making the playoffs, which we don't know that they are. And so, absolutely. And 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 now I'll be a real ass and say, listen, life is full of hard situations, and many of us and and many people we know, especially this year, have had to hear the horrible have had to hear horrible things they didn't necessarily want to hear or maybe even deserve to hear. Um, with regards to what they were doing professionally. So you have to decide if you are going to invest long-term or short-term. And if you're going to invest short-term, you don't make the trades. But this organization is in desperate need of centers. There are teams, front offices that make decisions all the time to spend now to benefit more significantly later. And in a year where even if this team makes the playoffs, you know, one of the – from a business perspective, one of the huge things that matters here is the revenue that comes out of that. You're not going to get the usual revenue that you get in a playoff year. It's going to be severely compromised. This team is going to draw a really tough road. Um, and, and I don't know that that this group is prepared for that. Uh, it, the better if you are in, if you care about this organization long term. I appreciate the narrative and I appreciate the the romantic nature of saying we've made the, the playoffs five years in a row and da 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 da. da But sometimes you have to make a different decision for the better long term health of the organization as a whole.
1: I guess my my thought is if that's what's in Yarmo Kekalainen's head, and and I don't think it is. But if that's what's in his head. He should do it now. If sure. you're going to do that, do it now. Don't sure. do it all the way to the deadline and then do it now. You'll get better deals then, most likely. But I think I think you've got guys in the room, even if, even if they're UFAs, there are other guys in this room that you, they need to know that you are as, this is the team you've put together. Let's deal with what we have today. Give us this chance today. You do what you got to do in the off season. There's other times to make moves. There's other times to to, and and if you're getting a second back for FLENO and a second back for SAVARD, I'd love to have those picks, but not at the cost of those players and not stripping it down to the wood. And you're not getting players back at the trade deadline, right? Because right. you're you're adding those to teams that, that want those guys. I I um if if they're if they're within, I don't know four points of that fourth spot I don't think you can you can you can unload um I think if it's anything more than that I think you can justify it to the players if it's six points and you're playing like shit and you've got some injuries then I think you can justify it but I I have a hard time swallowing it if you wait right until the deadline to do it
2: yeah I don't because, as you said, the 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 deal is if, if the deals are getting sweeter, and there's particularly a, a talk of of a market for a defenseman um like David Savard at the deadline, yeah. I, look, I know sports are supposed to be our happy place, and you know, but but it's still a business. It's still a job. And sometimes you have to strip all the narrative out of it and say, this is the decision we're making. This year has thrown us a shit ton of curveballs. This is how we're dealing with it, and we move forward.
1: Us against the world, I think the message would be.
2: I mean, and, and you know, we we act like other organizations don't here's – the, here's the flip of this. At least these guys got some part of a season. I mean, there are organizations that have had to put rosters through entire seasons. I mean, look at poor Buffalo. My God, they can't get out of the tank they started. And, you know, at least there was some opportunity in this season. And, and – you know, we talk about how do you go in the room and tell these guys this? Well, how do these guys go to the GM and say, yeah, let us h- have a shot after we've shat the bed more nights than we should have, particularly early in the season? I mean, the, yeah,
1: the, no, the, that's, that's the coin very goes fair. both
2: ways.
1: I think this is different than Panarin Bobrovsky. I know you're not saying it isn't, or saying it right. is, but I, I think it's different because you're, you're t- for Panarin. You're talking three first and multiple players, and a guy who you know is coming back. Yep. Um, we're talking a pretty honestly a pretty moderate yeah. return. And sh- do I need to go through the draft history of second round picks here? Um, I know you can still find. Oliver you can find, uh, you can find gems, you know, in the in the draft, but. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I, I try not to argue with you, Allison, because it's not a it's not a good uh, it's not a good place to be. But <laughs> but I could go toe to toe with their second round picks through the years. Um, and it's not. I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand was a third rounder. Yes, but if I mean Paul Bittner, Kevin Stenland. hey, Peak Andrew Peak could be somebody. a Marchenko, we're waiting on these guys. Okay, but um,
2: again, and again, I always say this, it's Dansk. not just about Dura- Oscar Dance, Dance Dance Party. It's not Boone just- was the second runner. But, wh- I mean, again, if we talk about this, if this is a team that really thinks this is part of a window, which you have written on, specifically in regards to having Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski cemented on this roster and Patrick Leinay under team control for a couple more years- If this is a window that you need to capitalize on, those draft picks are also currency for a trade. And, you know, maybe we're not talking, and that's what I said. A second round draft pick in and of itself, not going to blow the doors off. But if you're able to amass enough currency that allows you to end up making perhaps a trade, forget the draft. Maybe you make a trade that helps this team move forward. You know, it's, again, unless this team blows the doors off and they have time to do so starting with a game tomorrow... Thursday, do you want to be a do you want to be in this situation every year for the next however many years,
1: no, or do you want no, to make an
2: investment to get better intentionally?
1: I don't, but I, I also look at it this way. I think uh, who knows where I think this is John Tortorella's last year, yeah, in Columbus, one way or the other. I think they're, and call me a romantic. I think it could be it could be Nick Foligno's last year with the Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. could be. Mm-hmm. He could circle back, mm-hmm. I guess. It's most likely Savard's last year mm-hmm. with the Blue Jackets. This feels like the end of an era, um, the the best stretch this organization has ever had. Not enough, certainly. They've won one playoff round and a qualifying round. But I, if you would have asked people at any point in this franchise – would you take four straight playoff berths? That would have been unfathomable before these guys got here. It feels like this year is the end of something with Felino with Savard, potentially with Tortorella. One of the goalies is gone. I feel like there's going to be enough opportunity. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be foolish here and go for it. And I'm not making big trades. To, I'm not giving up. First round draft picks to help this year's team. I'm not that romantic, <laughs> but but I, I try to help them with a the fifth rounder or with uh, future considerations for a player that I think can help us. I try to help them a little bit and I give them one more one more crack. I don't. You're not losing Dubois and Anderson. They're gone. You're not losing Panarin and Bobrovsky and Duchesne. You're losing um, some formidable pieces, but we're not talking. A a return that just absolutely can change the the outlook of your franchise. It would help. I, I'd rather make the playoffs.
2: That's yeah, all I'll say. but and that's fine. But then again, you know, you talk about if you had said to fans a few years ago you would make the playoffs four years in a row, they would have been thrilled. But if five years from now the story is, well, you make the playoffs and every year you have a first round exit is that like we we used to joke about the Pittsburgh fans the Blue Jackets would play Pittsburgh Blue Jackets fans were so excited cuz they were finally in the playoffs yay woohoo and they would go to Pittsburgh and be able to get tickets because Pittsburgh fans were so bored
1: with the first with round. the
2: first round they didn't even go right. and and at some point the, it, a step has to be taken and th- the challenge to any front office is how do you take that step and I feel like if there is an opportunity to get meaningful deposits in the coffers in whatever form that is, that that should be seriously. Now, look, I'm not saying trade them no matter what, but if you get valuable offers, I think that they bear considering for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, there's great uh, curiosity about what the Blue Jackets are going to do. And what teams are being told is what we've, we've said is. Uh, they don't know what they're going to do right now. It's not because they don't know what they're doing. It's because the team is still telling them what they're going to do. Yes. And boy, Thursday, Allison, real quick on that game. They played three against the Carolina Hurricanes. They play a fourth on on Thursday. So probably tonight as you're listening to this. Um, it feels like an important game. Both of these teams have earned six points through the first, uh, sorry, four points through the first three games. Uh, this is the rubber match. I don't think Columbus... I think Columbus has played pretty well in this series. Obviously not great on Monday, but it feels like Thursday is a big game for them.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, if the little that that we know how Torch truly is inside that room, and, and we've talked about this, I'm not surprised if he's packaged this to his team in, in the concept of a mini playoff series um, yeah. for all the reasons that we've already talked about. And so for that reason as well, I think that this game will will bear out a lot of of what this group is is really going to be about this year.
1: And I'm I'm more concerned about how they play than the result as dumb as that sounds. No, I get that. I agree. Like I I want to see a pissed off, desperate hockey club if I'm Blue Jackets management. I want to see a visibly uh, angry, passionate hockey team Thursday. I agree. I agree. And if if they don't see that, then I think that's something uh, just to get on the discussion we just finished. I think that's something you squirrel away into your notes. Hundred percent. And to your point, you're pissed at me for waving the white flag at the trade deadline. What about the flag you waved on March twenty fifth? Yep. When you had a chance to do something about this? Like this thing's hanging right there for them. Um and I don't know they're not built to play. I don't I think this club, if they were playing if each of them were playing as well as they could play, I'm still not sure they're the club that that some inside that building think they are. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guys in this team that could be playing a hell of a lot better than they are right now. Hundred percent. Totally yeah. agree. All right, Allison. Anything else we need to get to?
2: <laughs> Direct all your hate mail to Aaron Portsline.
1: Please. <laughs> not please. Me. It's called the it's called the mailbag. Yeah. And uh <laughs> yeah, it happens every other week or so.
2: All those missives about all the all I just said will get lost in the mail. But listen, I'm not no, trying that's... to be I'm not trying to, to crap oh. on the organization. I just No no and
1: And I don't think you are. I think the, I think your opinion honestly would be shared by more people listening to this this than mine.
2: Interesting. I do.
1: I do. So you're you're the
2: optimist in this conversation.
1: When did that happen? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'm also, I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a tank guy necessarily, but I think this organization's killed itself by the strong finishes, but it's not what, that's not what this is this year. I think you've got some guys in this room. I, I think, People are going to miss Nick Foligno and David Savard 100%. A, hell of, a hell of a lot more than they realize uh, they will when they're gone. And I, I I don't think it's right. I think it's bad karma. I think you get buffaloed. You get shit that Buffalo's going through right now when you start manipulating and saying, yeah, playoffs are fine, but I think we can do better if we do this. I just I think the playoffs are so sacred, especially with some of those guys in the room that if you have a chance to sniff it again, I'm not selling my soul to get in, but if it's there, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not selling my soul to work towards next year either. So anyways, uh, anything else we need to get to Allison? I,
2: I think we've covered it. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, good stuff. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back with you next week. The, uh, the drama will, will continue. It's been a fascinating season. It'll continue to be just that and, And we look forward to uh, chatting with you in a week from now. So thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.
3: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order from a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry leading partnerships. StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic.